Well, the haters gonna hate, 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 and the fakers gonna fake, 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 baby. I'm just gonna make, 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 making luck, making luck. A Dominion podcast. Welcome to Making Luck, a Dominion podcast. My name's Adam, and this is Jake. Hello, Jake. Hey, Adam. How are you today? I'm feeling good. Yeah. Uh, it's uh. It's a good day. Well, I mean, I guess every day's a good day for Dominion. Yeah. But uh, also life. Well, yeah, I guess I guess life. Uh, potentially uh, multiple lives. Yeah. Um, I've. If you're my Facebook friend, you might have known this already. But if you're not, uh, feel free to friend me. I guess. I mean, it's open to everyone. That's that's cool. But um, there's uh, there's an announcement I'm making about my life that is not really related to Dominion. Um, well, maybe like future future Dominion World Champ twenty thirty or something. <laughs> oh, that's a little soon. Yeah, uh, we gotta do the math on that one. My wife and I are having a kid, and yeah. I'm super excited because, like, you know, we've been wanting this for a while. Uh, I've been sitting on the information for a little bit, but uh, it's okay to go public now. Uh, we're due in September, and at that point in time, uh, the plan is to continue the podcast. However, uh, I hope you like crying. Yeah, because uh, because I'm going to be crying a lot because Adam's not going to be able to give me nearly the attention that he has before. <laughs> let let alone this dog who's already needy. Yeah. Hopefully she'll be okay, but she's a golden. She'll, she'll probably be fine. Yeah. So yeah, there's going to be a little baby Adam Horton. Yeah. Around. So uh, I'm. I mean, I'm excited. My wife and I are starting to come up. Uh, with baby names that yeah. we don't like, and well, maybe a couple actually, that we hang think... on to that because I did oh, really? want to segue into the raffle. What? <laughs> As we talked about last time, the winner is going to get Adam Horton's car. That actually... As we talked about last time, the winner is not getting my car. That actually happened to be me. I drew my own name. <laughs> oh, you did. So we were going you didn't to draw talk your own about name. that later. That's not a thing that happened. And you're not getting my car. But the next <laughs> raffle prize is going to be a very spectacular. Surprise to Whatever Adam it and is, it's not. It's not okay. If Just you win it. the raffle, you are going to get to name Adam Horton's child. You get to choose the name for the baby. We don't like. We don't even so, know if it's a boy or a girl. We're not going to know for like a, at least a month and probably a lot more. Like right. So keep your open mind and stay flexible when you, if you win this raffle. You definitely have a lot. Uh, resting on your shoulders here. Adam and his wife are counting on you to pick the best name possible. So uh, definitely good luck to everybody who is going to enter, and I really can't wait to see what you come up with. Okay, so first of all, um, Dort is the best possible name. Dort? Yes, Dort, D-O-R-T. Is that but a boy or a girl? T- it works for both, and that's why it's okay. so good. Dorta for a girl? No, just no, Dort. Just Dort. Right. just Dort. Come on. We've thought about this. But, uh, okay, so, like, I don't want to say that, like, the name for our child will definitely not be suggested, because, you know, who knows, but, like, both my wife and I get veto power, and, uh, this raffle's not changing that. I'll work on him, but here on Making Luck, a Dominion podcast, do you see, get to name Do you see that Adam right Horton's there? Child. That's my television set. He got a new TV and everything. No, that's the same TV that's been there. You can go and, and actually, look on the Actually, we might video. even raffle it off next time. No, you can't. How could you raffle it off again? <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense. It's a different TV. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same TV. Jake didn't work on me enough to get me to give it away to so who did who won that? Was it like uh, Johnson Jefferson or like I think it was Winston Windle. 
Yeah. Or something. Someone who doesn't exist. Who knows? I don't yeah. know. Anyway. I just know that I would love to have a new TV in my living room, and maybe I'll just happen to win the raffle. Mm, really? So, uh, anyway, I mean, I guess... I guess suggestions for names are welcome, but like, I mean, you gotta get you gotta get it past me, and you gotta get it past my wife. We're we're actually learning quite a bit about um, what makes a good name. Like, it has to sound good with your last name. Ah. So, like, I've been thinking about the musical cadence. I okay. think it has to be two syllables, right? Because Hilliard, Hilliard Horton. That's that's three syllables. Uh, like Hilliard. Uh, Hil Hil Helga. Hilliard. Yeah, so like, Helga but also Horton. like, you don't want alliteration most of the time. So like, know. you have to think of the cadence and like, we don't want it to end with D E N, which is like super popular for boys' names. Anyway, this is Dominion, or this is yeah, making right. luck. <laughs> a crying podcast, or a, yeah, a, a parenting Dominion, podcast, a, a baby name podcast. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, so we, um, I guess we we talked about Nocturne in the last episode. Yeah, and, no. And we had a we had a kingdom with a bunch of nocturne cards in it. We did, and we took some time over the week to play with it, and we had talked a little bit about what we thought was going to be good here. Uh, yeah, so there was a there was a smidge of disagreement. Let's go ahead and read the kingdom cards. Uh, definitely. We have monastery, leprechaun, secret cave, golem, necromancer, highway, mandarin, relic, border village, peddler, and summon. Once again, for our audio-only listeners, Monastery, Leprechaun, Secret Cave, Golem, Necromancer, Highway, Mandarin, Relic, Border Village, Peddler, and Summon. And in case you are not quite as familiar with the Nocturne expansion, because Secret Cave was in the mix, we did have what's called an Heirloom, which is a card that replaces one of your starting coppers. And that card, because we have Secret Cave again, is called Magic Lamp. The text of Magic Lamp is that it's a treasure that gives you one money, so it replaces a copper and functions as a copper, except that when you play it, if after playing it you have exactly seven unique cards in play, you or seven or more, but you can only have one each. It's six or more cards that you Whatever. have exactly one copy of in play. Close enough. Uh, then <laughs> if you get to do the thing, because you have a bunch of unique cards in play, you trash the Magic Lamp, and you gain three wishes from their pile. And you have to sing the Friend Like Me song. That's Adam's like rule. Robin Williams. It's not a real thing. You don't have to do that. It's I sharpied it in my rule book. Oh, God. <laughs> I've sharpied things in my rule book before. You should check out my Agricola yeah. rule book. I wrote the word Jake over Jack of All Trades. It's Jake of All Trades. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, it turns out the magic lamp is pretty important here. So, like, Jake was yeah. like, oh, let's play Leprechaun and Relic Big Money, because, like, there's no draw, and there's no plus buy. I mean, I guess Summon is draw, but, like, no. Uh, That's and, what I sounded like, too, when I said And, it. like, Golem is draw, but no. And Zombie Apprentice is draw, <laughs> but you can only play it once per turn, and then you're getting Relic. So, like, there's really no good draw. And, I mean, it's very limited. And... There's yeah. no plus buy at all. You're not increasing the size of your hand consistently. You might do it, but you're not going to do it in a way that's actually going to win you the game, or you're not going to do it in a way that's going to happen turn by turn. Yeah, there's also like no way to catch up to an opponent that gets a somewhat early lead on provinces. Right, which so he can definitely do with Leprechaun out. Yeah. So, like, 
there's a lot of reasons why you just want to play big money here. And I was like, no, let's go for some shenanigans. Yeah. I sounded we were, just like that. Yeah, we were sick. Um, we hope you can forgive us for that. But Wait, we? No, I, I always had faith in the shenanigans deck. You were the one that doubted me. I meant with your voice. Oh. Yeah, okay, well, of course. <laughs> yeah, so the shenanigans turned out to be pretty good here. They turned out to be actually quite a bit better than big money, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely play the shenanigan deck. The thing is, the shenanigan deck is really tough to pilot. There's a lot of weird things going on that are really tough to accomplish. And if your opponent contests you on it, it gets like three times harder. I don't think it gets harder. Well, the highways are such a premium. I I don't even think that... All right, so go into uh, how you build the shenanigan (laughs) So So the idea is... uh, with two highways in play, you can wish for province, and you right. can you can get three wishes from magic lamps. So like that's like getting three provinces essentially. Yeah. And leprechaun can also get you a wish in the right circumstances. And necromancer is flexible enough of a card that it can provide a little bit of draw, and then at the right time you can play it as a um, as, as a leprechaun if you want without having to put uh, such a committal. Uh, you know, single-minded card in your deck, such as Leprechaun. You can right. just put multiple Necros in your deck and, and finagle it so you can get wishes that way. And if you have been tracking your deck or you've filled yourself with Peddlers somehow, maybe uh, toward the middle or end of the game, you start playing your Necromancer as Zombie Mason and trashing the Peddlers to gain provinces. So I had dreams of that. It turns out you can't do that. And, <laughs> and the reason is because... You you have to um, there's there's like no real draw here. In order to do that, you have to draw your deck, and then you have to play a secret cave, right? And then you have to discard the thingies, which are cantrips that you can't use to draw your deck, right? Okay. And then you have to and then you have to have a, a necromancer in hand and play it as a zombie mason. So like, that's really hard to do because like you have this monastery, and let's assume you had zero other stop cards. Well, yeah. that's not true, because you still have a magic lamp. And if you don't have a magic lamp, you have three wishes, and you're wishing for province, or else you're just going to lose. So you have yeah. four stop cards, well, at very least, and that's not including like any other things that happen, like necromancers that you can't play as a cantrip, or like really any treasures, because like you're going to have some golds in your deck because of Leprechaun that you're not going to be able to get rid of easily, that you don't want to get rid of. Like It just doesn't work. Right. I mean, it's not something you definitely rely on doing. Uh, it's not something... But it's... I mean, playing Necro- Necromancer as Zombie Mason didn't have a whole lot of downside because there was usually something cool to gain at every price point. So the odds of hitting a peddler obviously go up if you have the peddlers and you've been tracking your deck. Again, it's not something you rely on. It's something cool that might happen to you if you set yourself up for it. Uh, I never got to the point where I was close to that, and I think if it has a chance of happening, you've severely overbuilt, and why do you have peddlers in your deck when there's highway? So, like, you really want a lot of highways here, and pretty much the only way that highway is not attainable and peddler is, is if you have, like, some action cards in play, but somehow didn't manage to get five to get a highway... Sure. Which is really strange. Like, it did happen a couple times, but I'd find myself with one or two peddlers, and, like, I would zombie apprentice them, or I would need them in my deck to have unique cards for my magic lamp. Right. Like, all of these things, they sound really great. Oh, and you used to, we were talking about playing Necromancer with Zombie Mason. That is super great, and that's a really good thing to do. 
But there's a problem. Yeah, you have to be real careful. Because, like, if, yeah. you, if you have a chance of hitting your magic lamp with Zombie Mason... That doesn't sound like it's the end of the world, maybe, to you right off the bat, but I promise you it kind of is, because Magic Lamp is actually really easy to enable here, and the highways are really, really easy, easy to turn. Yeah, I mean, really feasible. Like, feasible, this is, yeah. This is a board that eventually, if you set yourself up to enable Magic Lamp, yes. if you decide you're That's doing true. that, it will happen at some point. That's true, yeah. So, and the wishes are very much provinces under the right circumstances. <laughs> if, if they're not, you're probably going to lose to big money. I, I will actually contest that in a second, coming properly, back to the game. Properly played big money. Right, so um, the, the highways can definitely be provinces. So if your opponent gets his... Yeah, the wishes can be provinces if you get highways in play. And then if your opponent goes ahead and... Uh, also builds a similar deck, and one of you gets your magic lamp off, and the other one doesn't. It's just such a huge swing. It's like if you just aren't eligible for three provinces that are in the game, bad. it feels really bad. I will say that a lot of the time you will want to spend your wishes on provinces if you can, but I actually, from time to time, spent my wishes to clutch out the highway split. And I was not sad for having done that. And I, uh, I think I won the game that I'm thinking of. And just because I won doesn't mean it was the right call, but I, I do think it was because the highways are a little bit of a premium here. So highways are good, and you won a lot of them. I certainly don't think that prioritizing the split is really relevant. Like, you really only need two of them in play. Having well, six it, highways is n not a big deal. It was having also, seven highways is not a big deal. It was also to to save the turn. Yeah, right? so like, so that's when wishing for highway is good, and it so also like, made the, it, it got my leprechaun to get a wish. Right. So. so there there are several reasons why you would want to wish for a highway. If number one, if it means that your leprechaun gets a wish, then it's wish neutral, right? Instead yeah. of getting hexed, you're getting a highway, and that's really good. Yeah. Second of all, if it means you can buy a province, like if I'm out of draw and I have like some golds or whatever, and I feel like I can have a good turn. Then I wish for a highway, and then I've bought a province, so that's effectively wishing for a province, only yeah. now I have this highway where I would have had a crappy turn otherwise. And there are some yeah. other situations where you might wish for some other things. Like, I found myself wishing for a border village gaining a highway, so I could, like, yeah, right. trigger this weird shuffle, and, and some good things happened to me because of that. So, like, there's a lot of really tactical things. You have to decide uh, to make that wish neutral, though, that you want the gold which is almost kind of weird to say because like when you not want gold but like there are times on this board where you're like the gold's kind of just getting in the way especially when you still have wishes left and yeah. you don't have that many highways and so the priority is to is to use the highways to convert the wishes into provinces past that the golds are great because you still need to get some more stuff but yeah. uh, before then you know the golds aren't really the best thing uh, I played a lot of games with this by myself. I made a video of several games of me playing the bot. Uh, Jake and I played uh, yeah. several games. A video of that, so they'll be uh, they'll be getting published. Yeah, uh, along with this podcast episode. Well, there's something else I, I do want to point out here, and not because I think it was necessarily a dominant strategy, but it was a decent strategy, and the aspect of there being no draw here is it 100% true. The Necromancer act playing Zombie Apprentice 
came up more often for me than I thought it would have because whenever I was going to buy a highway, I just bought a border village instead. And then I got this free border village, which if I have a few necromancers in my deck, turns on the zombie apprentice. So there is some draw. It's not great, but it can help you enable that turn that you're looking for where you get your magic lamp off or you, uh, you know, get turn your leprechaun into a wishmaker. So, so yeah, when draw is really limited like it is on this board, yeah, Zombie Apprentice is going to be super great because it takes a, a five-card turn and it turns into a six-card turn. Right, and the, the, the real key to that is that Border Village is basically coming to you for free. Yeah, I found myself, like, loading up on uh, Secret Caves early on so I could help Spike Six, and then, you know, once I did that and got my Magic Lamp <laughs> off, like the Secret Caves, it doesn't matter that you can't play them from the trash with Necromancer because they're durations, like it's just zombie apprentice food. Yeah. Oh yeah, and the other thing is you can't you can't get the cost reduction from highway if you're playing it from the trash with necromancer and that's sad. Oh. There's like yeah. a really weird rules questions that happened in this in this game. Yeah, that is weird. I, I guess that's technically it never came up in our games that we played, but that is technically true because necromancer doesn't leave the thing in play. So with necromancer anything that says while this is in play doesn't get that special benefit. That's really interesting. Yeah. So, like, playing a peddler from the trash is better than playing a highway from the trash. <laughs> Which is why, like, you kind of want to trash your peddlers. <laughs> because, yeah. like, they can... They Ideally, can turn turning in... them into provinces. Uh, I mean, that's happen. real ambitious. Yeah. Like, I'm apprenticing them yeah. all day, but... We had also talked about the big money deck being competitive and strong, mostly because, as well, there's Relic here. Uh, which is a lot of the time pretty good in a big money deck because of its tendency to slow down your opponent's build. Um, yeah, I don't think it's competitive at all, though. I think that the other things you're doing here are just so strong, big money, I don't think stands a chance. Yeah, like, Relic really does hurt this deck, but it's so much better than big money that it still wins yeah. consistently in spite of the fact that, like, yeah, you could potentially be getting Relic, like, every turn. Yeah, I really thought that between Relic and Leprechaun that big money was going to be fast enough, but... Not really. Yeah. No. Oh, obviously, um, you're. we may not have addressed it, but you, I think it's pretty obvious you're opening with a monastery nine times out of ten. Yeah, no matter what, I think you want to open with a monastery. Yeah. Uh, for 5-2 and 4-3, if you're going for this wish deck, I'm going to open with a necromancer. I tried opening highway. I thought it would be good, but like getting thin is just so important. You want to be playing zombie mason early on. you got to pick up that second monastery ASAP. So opening Necromancer just happens to be really good. Um, on a five, I could see summoning Secret Cave being pretty good too. Oh yeah, you you tried to do some summon tricks. I think I mathed it, and like on turn two, I think summoning stuff is good. But like turn one, summon Necromancer turns out to like not be good because yeah. all three of the zombies are just like Garbage. not that great. You end up causing this really terrible shuffle. Yeah, yeah, that turned out to be the case. Uh, you can come back from that. It's not one of those mistakes that's, like, game-breaking for you, but it, it can be kind of annoying for your tempo. Yeah, like, uh, there's there's this conception that as long as you're going through your deck, like, cycling through your deck, and I, I don't want to use that word, but as long as you're, like, putting cards from your deck into your discard, that that is cycling and that is always a good thing. And, like... Yeah, it's good more often than it's not. But a lot of times yeah. you have to think it through. And, like, 
I'm toying with the idea of, of like doing a whole episode on this concept of cycling and how it interacts with other mechanics and how I choose to think about it, which I think is better than the way everyone else chooses to think about it, and I want to share with you all. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of aspects of Dominion that I think are kind of taken for granted and maybe misunderstood and oversimplified quite a bit. The thing is, like, don't play Dominion like a bide. There are no set hard and fast rules. There are a few good, solid principles to build your gameplay on, but always be questioning them, too. Always make sure you understand why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, and, like, make sure you... You're never really going to be hurt for calculating out the way a move is going to turn out for you. Like, if you think a move is good because it's always good and it feels good, like, you know, maybe don't waste your time with it. But, like, if there's any doubt in your mind, like, that, oh, maybe I need to slow down here and think about what the real result of this is going to be. Shuffle control is the big example. Like, whenever I'm about to shuffle my cards, you just got to think about how it's going to work out for you with if I play the card to trigger the shuffle or if I don't. And just yeah. think about which way is actually better and think a few turns ahead. That's true of endgame play, too, right? It's, it's true in, like, pretty much every decision you make in Dominion. Right, like, yeah. The, the more you slow down and check yourself, yeah. the more you're going to find areas in your game that, like, you didn't even realize you could be doing better. And yeah. then, like, holy crap, you can do it a lot better. Yeah, if you are one of those people who plays, like, super fast and your turn is just over and done by the time it starts... I, I would advise you to slow down a little bit and think, because you're probably making more mistakes than you realize. I would tend to agree, and then those people will be like, well, I don't want to play with you anyway, because you're so slow. It's like, fine. They gotta Black- get their APM up, man. Blacklist me. I t- <laughs> if you don't want to play with me, blacklist me on the client. We will never play again. There you go. Um, we, f- yeah. we solved it, man. Yeah. Anyway, so... So yeah, I'm, uh, there's going to be some materials. Uh, check out my YouTube channel, Adam Horton Zero One. Uh, there's going to be some videos published, uh, uh, specific to this kingdom, a little bit more than normal. And I think the deck is intricate enough to play that it's worth watching a few times. I failed a lot before I had something that was able to consistently beat the bot, but you know, once it was there. Uh, it seemed really powerful. Adam has a really hard time beating Lord Reddington a lot of the time. I see him struggle. Those wins are really precious when he gets them, but the yeah. bot just wrecks him most of the time. I'm pretty proud of myself. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, um, so that was that was a good hefty chunk of bread. Yeah. Like, I, I took my bread knife and I manually cut the loaf of bread, and this piece of bread was, like, abnormally thick. It was artisan bread. It, I mean, it was delicious, and yeah. I love a lot of bread. But I'm yeah. just saying it was a big portion. And now I'm really looking for, like, the proper balance of lunch meat I, to go with it. I think 25% or maybe, like, a quarter of lunch meat would be a really good ratio of, of bread to meat. Yeah? So you like a really bready sandwich? Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe for, like, an urban lifestyle. Yeah. I could see that. Like, say you lived in the city, you could go with a quarter of lunch meat. Yeah, so speaking of this horrible pun segue thing that we're doing... That wasn't uh, horrible, that was amazing! (laughs) Today we are going to talk about the card City Quarter, and it's from the Empire's expansion. And it's it's a really fun card to play with when it's good. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I don't think anyone out there doesn't like having Mad Men in their life. (laughs) And this is, I mean, in the perfect world... This is Madman, but you get to keep it. Like, or it's kind of like Scrying Pool that doesn't take forever. 
I mean, I like scrying pool a lot. I hate how long it takes to play with. Okay, sure. Yeah. But, so, let's read the text of it, yeah. City Quarter. Uh, it's from the Empire's expansion again, and it's an action. It costs eight debt. And I assume most of you are familiar with the concept of debt, but essentially that means it doesn't cost any money, but the cost of it is taking on these debt tokens that you pay off with money. At a one-to-one ratio. So, you get two actions to village, and then you reveal your hand. You draw one card per action card that you revealed from your hand. Yeah. So, yeah. like, the, the dream, man, the dream is you reveal your hand, and it's, oh, actions, oh, my God, yeah. and it feels so good, and then you, like, you almost double your hand size. Yeah, you draw four cards. You draw 55 cards. Well, and then you, so, like, you draw a bunch of cards, and then you drew a bunch of cards, and you play your next city quarter, and oh then you draw God. even more cards, because oh you have a bunch of cards God. in your hand. Oh, yeah, so like City Quarter is Amazing. potentially one of the strongest sources of draw in Dominion. It's like the the effect of this card is super super strong. Yeah. And like I mean, yeah, you have to meet some conditions, but like if if you have if you've met those conditions, the effect of this card is such that drawing your deck is just trivial. Like yeah. you can draw so many cards. You can draw sure. 55 cards with City Quarters if you want. Yeah, and again, the aspect of drawing your deck is really strong because so many cards in Dominion want to line up with something. Yeah. Like, even if you don't realize it, like, even if it's not as overt as, like, Baron Estate, like, most cards reward you for playing them in a certain sequence, and drawing your deck with City Quarter is going to be the easiest way to do that on, like, nine boards out of ten where you see it, I think. Yeah, and, like, it gives you actions you can use yeah. to play the action cards that you had in your hand. Yeah. It's so good, Matt. There are not very many cards in Dominion that where, like, a single card both increases the number of terminals you can play on your turn just by playing it and also increases your hand size. Uh, the other ones that come to mind are, like, I don't know, Lost City. Uh, but th- those cards are all really, really strong enablers of explosive payload decks, and the, anything that's a one-stop shop like that is just not something you can usually ignore on yeah. those boards. It's a really good thing to do. Yeah. So there, there are conditions you know that you have to meet. Uh, you want to have a lot of action cards in your hand, which normally means uh, you have a lot of action cards in your deck. You have, right. Uh, so this is a concept that people have called action density. You want to have a high action density. The the percentage of cards in your deck that are action cards is your action density. So you want to have a high action density to enable it. Uh, you also want to like have the city quarter in your starting hand. So if I'm drawing 55 cards, I only get to draw five of them at the start of my turn. So, um, you know, th- those other 50 cards could contain my city quarter. I'd like to have a city quarter in my starting five cards. So sure. You, you want to have a way to do that. And then also, uh, eight debt is a lot. You don't have to, like, hit a price point to get this card. But it is eight money. And so it's expensive. And you do have to, you have to find some way to justify that cost. You have to make it pay for itself. And so this effect certainly is worth it as long as you're doing something that makes it worth the debt that you're taking on. Yeah, so there is an interesting concept to cards that cost debt, like City Quarter and Royal Blacksmith, and to a lesser degree, uh, Architects? Engineer. Engineer. (laughs) Yeah. Same thing. Yeah, um, but there's an interesting dynamic of them, and I think City Quarter is a really good place to talk about it because it's a really good illustration most cards that have a static cost like you think about something like prince it costs eight money and you 
aren't really deciding when before you have eight money whether or not to buy a prince because you can't do it. it. That cost is static. It's never changing. Whereas the cost of a card that costs debt is a lot more dynamic. The limiting factor isn't being able to spike a, spike a price point. The limiting factor is how good of an idea it is to buy it because you can do it at any time. So the explosiveness and the impact that it has for your deck really gets into how expensive the card ends up being. Because if you take on four debt that you didn't have to take on, let's do some weird example where Adam takes his shirt off. So let's say... All right, I got this. You've got four money, and you are choosing between buying something that costs four or buying the city quarter. You buy the city quarter, and you take on four debt. And then let's say you draw the city quarter, and it makes your hand that much better, and you draw four extra dollars you wouldn't have drawn. Then the cost of the city quarter wasn't really anything except the four dollars that you had. So that's that concept of the cards being cheaper the better they are for you that really only comes up when they cost debt like this yeah so when when empires first came out and i think fortune is a is a great example of yeah. how this can really can, can really manifest itself so like if a card costs debt you know there's there's a coin part and that coin cost is a function of your deck before you put the card in it. You need to hit that price point. And, yeah. you know, City Quarter doesn't have that, so we'll kind of skip it. But, like, Fortune does whatever. So then the debt cost, that cost is relative. It's not it, It's not a function of just this moment in time. That debt cost also depends on your deck with the card in it. So right. Fortune is a great example of this because Fortune costs eight coins and eight debt. So if you're drawing your deck and you have eight and you have this Fortune... Fortune doubles the amount of money you make. So if you do that again and you draw your fortune, you were making at least $8 that previous right. turn because you bought the fortune. Exactly. But now you're doubling that 8 and anything else that you might have gotten. And so that's the first turn, the 8 debt cost is basically nothing. You're going right. to pay that off because of just the fortune. And then every turn after that, it's just absolutely insane what fortune does for you. Yeah, and so the how expensive this card actually is for you, how much it actually costs you on a turn-by-turn basis, which is you know how you really should be thinking about Dominion. It's not like this turn was good or that turn was good. We think about you know uh, your your game as a collective of turns. No, normally, it's a series. you just spend all of your money every yeah. turn, and then you win the game. Dominion exactly. is really simple, bro. Yeah, no, you, especially if you're paying off debt all the time, like with uh, yeah. capital. Um, <laughs> yeah, you just you just pay off your debt, and then when you're out of debt, you just go right back into debt. Yeah, absolutely. America. Yeah, so uh, what we're saying about the cards having an impact on your deck, and of course that impact mainly comes from drawing them and playing them, that's especially true with City Quarter. Uh, it's true with Fortune quite a bit as well, but City Quarter is potentially so high impact and also potentially so low impact. It, it has a really big gamut of effects that it could actually have on any given hand where you see it. Yeah, so so with Fortune, it was really easy to see. Like, this yeah. card makes you money, and it's going to make you at least eight money because you had eight money to buy the card. Like, it's, it just smacks you in the right. face with it. City Quarter doesn't do that. City Quarter doesn't make you money. No. It draws you cards, and it gives you actions. It's a deck control card. It's not a payload card. So when you're putting the city quarter in your deck and you're thinking, oh man, eight is, eight is so many debt, and yeah, it's so much debt, I can't get, We're I need of course a 30 assuming... in mortgage, and yeah. 
And We're it, assuming that's what you sound like. You have, like, Eric Cartman in my, your head My or internal monologue yeah. is Eric Cartman. All the time. Yeah. Get me some titty that was that not... sounded less like Aaron Cartman. Uh, yeah, I was getting excited. Uh, anyway, all right. So if you're thinking about that, if you if you want to lighten the load of that future debt you're about to take, if if the idea of a thirty year mortgage just makes you like want to go have some diarrhea somewhere, which um, I can't on blame a personal you. note, like I hate thirty year mortgages. I think they're and the diarrhea. devil. Uh, diarrhea, I hate most of the time, but sometimes yeah. you just need a good number too. But anyway. Uh, this is not a diarrhea podcast. Making look. <laughs> a diarrhea podcast. Kind of, uh, a diarrhea, I guess it depends. diarrhea podcast. Depends oh. who you ask, right? <laughs> okay, that's a good point. That's a really good point. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't think of it that way. But anyway, you want to you wanna convert these uh, actions and cards that you're going to be drawing. You want to convert that into money. The city sure. quarter, you want to buy it when it makes your debt come alive because that debt cost is going to be minimized by the positive impact that this card has on your deck. You need some way to convert that. And nine times out of ten, that's money, um, but it's not always a lot of money helping you pay off the debt. Sometimes the city quarter paying for itself comes in the form of playing cards to do other things like attack your opponent or uh, you get into gainers like if it enables your horn of plenty to gain provinces, that's really good too. Yeah, it's a deck control card, so it's gonna yeah. shine. It's gonna help the rest of your deck shine, right? Right. So that said, it's really important to pick the right time to put City Quarter into your deck because, like we addressed, it can be very expensive if bought at the wrong time. So when is the right time? In my opinion, you can start thinking about putting a city quarter in your deck when one of the following is true for you. And I'm not saying take this as a protocol, but this is a good baseline to start making decisions off of. So, if either you are pretty sure that you're going to draw the city quarter next turn, and it's going to make that turn better, uh, somehow you're going to draw it and gain value out of it, then yes, you you can uh, put it in your deck. Maybe that's in the form of you're already drawing a lot, or what have you. You're at the bottom of a shuffle. Usually yeah. deck cards are great to get at the bottom of a shuffle. Exactly. Because they, they have the chance to immediately impact your your turns and help you pay the debt off and, yeah. and decrease the cost. Yeah. So if you have some compelling reason to believe that you have a really good shot of drawing that city quarter next turn to help it pay for itself immediately, it's time to start thinking about the city quarter. So, so not turn one. <laughs> turn one city quarter is amazing no, no bueno <laughs> um, hey but what if you have shelters oh man yeah. you could draw off your necropolis yeah or you could draw it and city quarter could be like another necropolis that, that sounds amazing you could play so many actions yeah so uh, option number two is when you're going to buy the city quarter you don't know that you're going to draw it very soon but you do know because of what your deck looks like that when you do draw it it's going to draw you at least two cards right I think that your city quarter is successful, could be considered to be, if it draws you at least two. If it doesn't do that, then it was a very expensive village. Yeah, you really want to be drawing at least two to, to like, feel good about having paid so much money for the card. Yeah. So, like, that, if you want to be drawing two cards, that means that your deck already has to be pretty much 50% action cards. Your action density has to be yeah, about, at that point. And again, these are very general rules that you'll find exceptions to game by game, but these are just things to think about. Yeah, I think I think a better way to, to, uh, to phrase that, or I guess uh, just the opposite way, which makes more sense in my brain, so strictly better, obviously, is... Uh, 
if your action density isn't that high, then you really need to think hard about, is City Quarter the best thing I could be doing right now? Yeah, that's a really good point. In fact, I see have seen people buy City Quarter, uh, think this third criteria I'm about to get into is a good reason to buy City Quarter, and that's that they spike a price point that's really high. They like get to seven or eight, and they can pay off all or most of the debt, and it's the most expensive card for them, and it's good, and they're like, okay, I need to buy that right now. So I said that earlier. Yeah, you don't need to spend all your money every turn. Yes, and you do. If you have eight and one buy, there's only one thing you can... Oh, well. Oh, crap. With City Quarter. Oh, no. Oh, God. Dominion just got way harder. Please continue. Yeah, so... <laughs> Uh, even if you spike a really big price point and you're thinking uh, it's a really good opportunity to buy the city quarter, if you're getting there and you're not already drawing a lot and one of those other things isn't already true for you, you're probably better off building some other way and then getting the city quarter later after you've done that because your deck will be a little better for it. Yeah, I think yeah. I would agree. Because like having a bunch of means to draw and control your deck... Uh, especially if they're very expensive like City Quarter is, is only really good if you have something good to draw into. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think uh, there's this term... I mean, what you're talking about is payload, right? Something yeah. good to draw into. Mm -hmm. And so some people will call it virtual payload. And, and basically what that means is your payload, which is action cards, right? Yeah. The, the payload that takes place in your action phase. Yeah, you think about something like Lighthouse or Nomad Camp. Sure. Uh, those are those are great examples of virtual payload. There are cards that care about virtual payload. Um, I mean, I guess you could say City Quarter does, but yeah, I don't know. Indirectly. I, I think like other types of decks, like draw to X decks, they care more about virtual payload. That distinction makes more sense there, but sure. um, you'll hear people say that, and I guess that's what that means. Um, just don't get the idea that that's better than treasures. Like, I would rather have a silver in my deck than yeah. a Nomad Camp when I'm not using the buy. So it, this also brings us to the point, we just talked about when it's time to start adding City Quarters to your deck, and obviously having them and, and buying them, and you probably want more than one, is great. When is it time to stop putting City Quarters in your deck? When, when are you starting to overdo it? Uh, well, I mean, with eight, you can get a province. Yeah, but City Quarter doesn't necessarily cost eight. Okay, so if you are getting less than a city quarter every turn, like, if you're not making eight on your turn, and, like, you want to do that, then why are you buying city quarters, I guess? <laughs> I mean, you, you need stuff to do, and if, if the stuff to do... Eventually you need to get to the point where, like, the whole point of your turn isn't just, I'm going to buy a city quarter because it costs eight, and I finally made eight, like... If that's if that's the dream, then it's time to wake up. Then maybe you should just be getting provinces, right? I mean, those yeah. are pretty good. So, like, yeah, there's there's opportunity cost because the card costs so freaking much. Yeah. Now, at the same time, if you have decided that your deck is going to be capable of more than a province per turn, maybe it's gaining two a turn or attacking your opponent, whatever it is, whatever your means of winning the game is going to be. Uh, and you've decided that city quarters factor into that, I think you need more city quarters than sometimes it feels like you do to do it reliably. Because, like, if you have a bunch of labs and you're drawing a bunch that way, it doesn't necessarily matter how, what, like, what order you get your cards in. 
right? Like, you just need to get the labs, and the labs have made you overall thinner, whereas City Quarter needs to line up with these other actions. And so you kind of need... Just because you drew your deck with City Quarter, just because you overdrew by quite a bit, doesn't mean you're guaranteed to do that next turn. So a lot of the times it feels like you're overbuilding when you're building a City Quarter-enabled deck, when really you're just building enough. Sure. Uh, I mean, City Quarter kind of doubles the amount of cards that it can potentially draw every time you play it. I said kind of because it's a little less than that. But it basically doubles it. Like, there's this exponential growth in draw. So, yeah, you add one more City Quarter to the deck, and you've doubled that potential. And, like, yeah, you're probably not going to double the number of cards in your deck that you can draw. But, yeah. you know, there were, there were those three conditions that I was talking about. And one of them was you want to start your turn with a City Quarter. And with most other cards in Dominion, the solution to that problem of I want to start my turn with this card is you buy a lot of copies of that card. And City Quarter, it feels bad to do that because the card costs eight. And so just buying a ton of City Quarters... And has some serious diminishing returns turn by turn, like once you have drawn your deck. Yeah, like if I have... All you're really doing is just, you're not making it so you can draw more cards, really. You're just making it so you're more likely to kick off. Yeah. So, so I think any other way you have of increasing that chance. So scheme is the obvious one. I would rather yeah. put a scheme in my deck than city quarter number five when I'm already drawing my deck. Because the scheme sure. only costs three, and then I can spend those other five dollars this turn or next turn on something that is better for my deck because, uh, you know, it does things and makes more money. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring that up. City Quarter is so good at doing what it does, and yet what it synergizes with most is other things that do what it does. Yeah, it's a deck control card. Yeah, but it's a deck control card that needs other deck control cards to function properly. But it is so good when it has them. I mean, it's a deck... And you need to be able to thin with your City Quarter deck. Right, you need to be able to thin out the coppers, or you need to be able to draw some other way so that when you play your city court, it's for high impact. Yeah, so so thinning, I think, is by far the most important thing that you can use to enable city quarter. Yeah. Because it takes care of two of the three big problems with city quarter. Number one, it increases your action density because you're removing non-actions from your deck. Those sure. ten stupid cards that you start the game with. Or nine, if you've got that Necropolis laying around. Uh, and We'd by like the way, when we're talking okay. about thinning, we're assuming you're not being junked by ruins. Ruins are interestingly something you don't care about if you're oh you you definitely care because now these are cards in your deck that aren't city quarter that make it harder for you to draw your city course at the start of your turn that's fair enough so that's the other prong of why trashing benefits you because now there are less non-city quarter cards in your deck that you can draw in those initial five cards sure so the trashing takes care of two of these and it does a really good job of both of them and also trashing is amazing and you want to be doing anyway so, like, I, it's actually really hard to get that action density up without, um, without some trashing. Like, with, mm-hmm. a, with a card like Scrying Pool, um, you can just shove Scrying Pools in because it doesn't cost all that much. You just get one a turn because you have this potion that you're not doing anything else with. And yeah. then you spend two coins, whatever. It's two coins and a buy. Whatever, I'll just get a Scrying Pool, and then you can increase that way. City yeah. Quarter don't work that way, man. It costs eight debt. The other thing about the the other thing that makes it a little different from Scrying Pool is that if you think about drawing a bunch with Scrying Pool, like Adam said, you just shove Scrying Pools into the deck, and if you play enough of them, 
eventually one of them is going to kick off, and it doesn't matter what you started with necessarily, because eventually, if you have enough of them, one of them will work. But the city quarter, if you don't start strong, you're not going to pick up that mid-turn tempo midway in, just because city quarter doesn't do anything unless it's doing something. Yeah, if you Which have, is weird to you, say, but you, you get the idea. If you have a high number, uh, even if it's a low percentage, but if you have a significant number of non-action cards in your deck, like you always do run the risk of, of drawing your city quarter with like maybe zero or one actions. Yeah, and that's a, really sad. It's a feast or famine kind of card. It really is. It could be a necropolis, and then you're sad. It could be a regular so village, and then you're also really sad. Yeah. Or it could draw you three cards and give you two actions, and then you're amazingly happy. So it's... yeah, like if you're if you're drawing one or less cards, um, yeah, your your hopes for having good things happen this turn with City Quarter are pretty much gone. Yeah, like if I if I play a City Quarter that draws one card, like pretty much yeah. no matter what that card is, even if it's a City Quarter, like I'm just drawing one more card. You're not accomplishing anything here. Sure. So. Um, yeah, having having a low number of non actions is something that really helps, and you know, trashing is. I mean, that's the way you do it. Right? Yeah, and I mean that's that comes back to when we talk about other draw cards. A lot of the time, you get a feel for when it's time to stop buying them when you're drawing enough. And city quarter mm. is kind of deceptive yeah. in that respect because you can get to that place where you feel like you're drawing too much and find out next turn that it wasn't enough that you Uh, haven't built enough yeah so i I think the scrying pool comparison is pretty relevant here yeah only you have that high cost thing so like the the cards that allow you to have some way of of starting your turn with it you know without like buying a new copy every turn yeah (laughs) so like the the royal seals of the world like they, they don't quite cut it. You want something like Courtyard or Scheme that's going to top-deck something you already have. Right. And the, I mean, the idea. two of those are those are the stars of the show, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you can do some neat tricks with hand-seating. Like, if you have some kind of haven or gear or something, sometimes you can yeah. line some stuff up that way, but most of the synergy is going to be like what Adam's talking about. Yeah. So, like, you you did start saying, you know, when is the right time mm-hmm. to buy a city quarter? And, and you know, we had we had discussed, you know, when when it's going to do good things, when you have something good to draw into and you sure. think you're going to draw with it. Just um, kind of every card in Dominion. When do I buy this? When it's good. Every deck control <laughs> card has that. Yeah. But, like, I think we can we can also extend that to a strategic consideration. Like, sure. when, when am I going to build my strategy around city quarter knowing that I can have this amazing deck control the card gives me? And, like, the fact is, you know, yes, you can thin, and, you know, yes, you can find some way to to have a high density of action cars, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, these are great for a city quarter, but the fact is you've invested time into thinning your deck, and now you're buying these cards that cost eight. Yeah. And, and this is still a huge opportunity cost. It's actually worse than them costing eight in a lot of cases. Like, if you come back to the kingdom that Adam and I played recently that had City Quarter and Bridge Troll. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, bridge, bridge Troll was the main means of payload, but so we thinned out all of our treasures because that was the deck that you built on that board. 
Um, and then we were just in debt forever because cost reductions like Bridge and Bridge Troll do nothing to help you with City Quarter. Yeah, City Quarter was really the only yeah. village there. So, like, in yeah. order to increase your payload, you do have to make actual money. Right. Which is not the payload that you actually want to be building. So that was, that was an interesting uh, kind of crunchy deck yeah. that you wanted to build there. But uh, most of the time when you want City Quarter, like... It's going to be some real, like, obvious explosive payload that consists of action cards. Like, the most powerful payloads are the ones that are going to benefit the most. And City Quarter can just make it very easy for you to do that. Yeah, I actually, when I was wrapping up my notes for this podcast episode, I tried to make a list of reasons that you might buy City Quarter. A list of things that would encourage you to go for a deck that's enabled by City Quarter and the list just got too long. There were the thing about City Quarter is that list almost isn't useful because there's a much shorter list of reasons that you wouldn't want to buy City Quarter. That City Quarter would maybe be kind of shut down or that deck wouldn't be very good. And I think it's worth going into those. Uh, kind of like how when we were talking about trashing, we led with all the reasons you do not trashing. We led with all the reasons you do trash. And then when these things aren't true, that's the, that's the Which other. Which is like never, yeah. Right. So uh, there were a few factors that I think kind of push you away from building a deck that gets enabled by City Quarter. Uh, the biggest one is that you look at the board and you see that the best turn that you can have is that you gain a province. The best thing that can happen on any given turn is gaining a province there are much faster ways to hit $8 five times in a row. Ooh, I than... know one. You get silvers, and then you get golds. Yeah. And then you buy province. There's a lot of synergy between silver and gold. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of a kind of a money engine, if you think about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> but, like, there, there are much faster ways to do it, and sometimes they might even involve the other kingdom cards. It doesn't mean that City Quarter is really only not applicable if you're playing big money, but, you know, if if all you can do is buy the province, then yeah, City Quarter doesn't help you uh, in that respect. That's, of course, assuming also that you're not attacking your opponent or gaining cards in some way. Yeah, a, a lot of the times when, I, when I'm first telling people, like... Um, when when do you build more? When do you play a money focused strategy? The line I give them is is there is the payload of your deck anything more than just one province per turn? Yeah, and it can be one province plus anything. Like it doesn't have to be more points in a lot of cases, but mm-hmm. that's the line. And if and if it is that way, normally you want to yeah. build towards it. So like province plus uh, I'm attacking my opponent. Yeah, or province plus uh, some extra form of reliability that's sure. also quick to set up. Or province, plus I gain some other non-victory card that helps me continue to province, and I have some way to, you know, make up yeah. points. Or, or province plus duchy, like all of these things are fine. Yeah, right. So the other thing that definitely will kind of push you away from relying on city quarter to enable you is when there's an attack that affects your hand size. Like, makes you discard cards. Like, if your opponent plays something like a militia on you or a ghost ship, in that case, your city quarter... Feels so bad, man. 
can be really significantly hurt quite a bit because it doesn't just hurt the first one. Like, let's say you have this hand of all actions and you, and you still get to play the city quarter to draw two. But then the next city quarter you draw isn't drawing much either. And it really definitely doubles the amount of unreliability and variance that a city quarter deck is already dealing with. Yeah, you have to you have to find like more city quarters. So if you yeah. start with three cards, it's going to be difficult to find city quarter number three and four because you're just not searching that many cards. And then even if you do find them, you've drawn into a smaller hand, so they're not doing as much yeah. as they would have. Feels pretty bad. The other thing that kind of will definitely push you away from a city quarter deck, a city quarter enabled deck, is junking. Any junking that isn't ruins, and even junking that is ruins a lot of yeah. the time, but ru ruins you don't care as much about. But uh, if somebody's giving you treasures or curses or victory cards, like with the ambassador or something, then... Treasures. Uh, yeah. Yellow equals purple. Yeah, and if you're trying to build a city quarter deck, it does. <laughs> I disagree, but sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, so those are, those are kind of the big three. Uh, the big three exclamation, the big three stop signs in front of City Quarter, in yeah. my opinion. You know, the the debt symbol is like, it's a hexagon, which is, <laughs> a, you know, a burnt orange color. Yeah. So, like, if you don't look at it, if you don't think about it real hard, it could kind of seem like a stop sign. So yeah. So, it could be. It's like eight stop signs. <laughs> oh, I, I forgot. There's actually a fourth reason that oh. you... Probably would not buy city quarters, and this you only swallowed all the debt tokens. This only applies to, <laughs> to real life games of Dominion, yeah. <laughs> and that's if there is no source of VP chips or coin tokens. And here's the thing, and I think most of you are going to know what I'm talking about. Debt tokens taste a lot worse than coin tokens or VP chips. However, if that space is unoccupied by the tokens or VP chips, you're going to eventually put the debt tokens in your mouth, and it's not going to be pleasant. There's just no way to avoid this without expending an immense amount of self-control and focus, and yeah. you would just be better off spending that mental energy on actually winning the game than trying to avoid putting the debt tokens in your mouth. That sounds terrible, man. So be really careful about buying City Quarter when you can't also get some kind of coin token to put in your mouth, or, or a bishop, uh, bishop something. Yeah, I, I found it, like... Um, a lot of the tokens that you got in Empires, particularly the debt tokens, but also those two VP tokens, like the gold ones, yeah. they didn't really keep their shine nearly as well as a lot of the other tokens we got. No, no, they had this weird coppery taste to them, too. And, like, the debt tokens that come straight out of the box, like, they look so good, they're shiny, and then, like, now my debt tokens... They look like crap. They look like pennies. It's because I've been and, chewing on them, but, like, they, uh, they, yeah, they really do. They don't hold up as well. I mean, the manufacturer was different. I think they were American. I mean, there was uh, it's a different one from Adventures. It's never gotten back to the way it used to be, and that makes me very sad. Yeah. Life is hard. Uh, anyway. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that's probably the most important point. Yeah, I think so, too. So yeah, I mean, I think I've explored all that I can think of about City Quarter. Is there something I'm missing, Adam? Well, I don't think Explorer and City Quarter go very well together. No, no. Yeah. I mean, that really. doesn't mean you don't put them in the same deck. City Quarter is a powerful enough card that even <clears throat> if all of the stars are not aligning towards City Quarter, it's still good enough to put in your deck just because it's so freaking good. Yeah. Kind of like Jack of All Trades or King's Court. What now? Jake, sorry, Jake of All Trades yeah. or King's Court. There we go. Yeah. 
Yeah, so if you have some other aspect of City Quarter that you don't think we hit on or that you think maybe we're missing, definitely let us know. We'd love to hear it Um, because, you know, Empires has been out for a little while, but there is still plenty of space to explore. Yeah, we're, we uh, tackled some stuff from a newer expansion off of a uh, you know, a few requests we got from people that were like, hey, yeah. there's a lot of stuff out there for pre-guilds, and there's not much on the newer stuff. So, like, we did a whole podcast about Nocturne, and now we're yeah. doing a whole podcast about an Empire's card. And, yeah. you know, we're pushing those towards the top of the list, which means, you know, maybe we don't know what we're talking about. But who are we kidding? <laughs> of course we know what we're talking about, right? As much as we ever do. And, <laughs> yeah. Sadly true. So, I feel like we maybe went too high on the ratio of meat to bread to get that golden quarter that we were going for. Oh no, we need more bread? I think we might. Oh no. Well, let's, uh, oh, here's a kingdom. Okay, that'll do. Okay. This will do. Okay. This looks like about the eighth of bread that... Alright, let's just read the kingdom. <laughs> so, uh, we, the kingdom has City Quarter in it, and it's the one that Adam and I are going to be playing with over the next week to try to uh, suss out what we think the better strategies are, but we'll give our preliminary thoughts, and we encourage you to do the same. Uh, the kingdom in question is City Quarter, Lighthouse, Nomad Camp, Port, Remake, Count, Ill-Gotten Gains, Rabble, Soothsayer, and Prince. Once more for our audio-only listeners, the kingdom we're going to be playing has City Quarter, Lighthouse, Nomad Camp, Port, Remake, Count, Ill-Gotten Gains, Rabble, Soothsayer, and Prince. This one's real easy. You Prince of Remake, GG. Yeah. <laughs> Prince of Remake. I figured it out. It's All amazing. Right. Well, thanks for listening on Making Luck. <laughs> a remade podcast. A crying. Oh, yeah, that's better than a crying podcast. Yeah, that's so w- I, what do you do here? It's interesting, right? Well, uh, I think Ig is complete garbage because number one, Soothsayer is better for handing out purples yeah. and Remake is better at trashing purples than Ig is for handing out the purples. I will say, though, that the Ig might have some application in what we you had talked about before, where you don't necessarily rely on it to win the game, but you buy the last one to, like, clutch out the curse split. Not the last Ig, but you buy one to clutch out the curse split in your favor, and then you can remake it for some benefit, too. So IGG might actually have a couple of tactical buys. I mean, um, theoretically, on. that's possible, but, I mean... The deck I want to build has such tight control over the deck that I just don't see that being relevant. Like, I don't feel like my opponent would be well served by wasting an entire $5 buy just giving me a purple that I can handle very easily with a remake I didn't even plan to play anymore. And that that ex- that depends on the state of your deck, though. That's where you look at it tactically. Like, if you are struggling to get there to what you're talking about, and I think that the giving you that purple might help you struggle even more. I'm going to do it. Just the same way if you haven't thinned enough, I might buy a Junker that I wouldn't have bought. Sure. I mean, theoretically that's possible, but I'm just going to call it right now. Hashtag Adam Hot's, Adam's Hot Take. I messed up that hashtag. Hashtag Adam's Hot Take. I don't think that Ig is going to be bought in any of the games that we play test. 
I mean, you I can just buy like... it to make me wrong, but it's going to be clearly a mistake. I don't know. I feel like there'll be one or two times at some point where we at least think about it. Bring it! <laughs> All right. Bring it, bruh! I'm going to bring you the egg. But yeah, no, I agree that uh, IGG is definitely not as strong here uh, in terms of how you're going to win the game as a lot of the other options we have. I There's mean, like nine other Kingdom cards here that I think are more relevant, yeah. Yeah, so I think like the, the goal of the deck, if I'm not mistaken here, I think is going to be to uh, load up with actions and city quarters and then play Nomad Camp with a bunch of treasures that you've drawn as well and buy two provinces every turn. Yeah. It seems about the, the way that, that, that the winner ends that game. Sure. So I, I don't think you want to go for a deck that has nothing but actions in it. Yeah. I think that's a little sus because there's like port and rabble so you can have village and draw effects with other cards that are maybe a little bit easier to put in your deck because they don't cost as much. Yeah. But um, And a little less situational on their own. Yeah, for sure. Like City Quarter is going to be really good as something that supplements that draw because, you know, you play yeah. your ports and your rabbles and now you have like five or six action cards in your hand at some point and then you play a city quarter and then boom the deck is drawn and that's really great because you have this treasure gainer with soothsayer <laughs> you have count that can do some sometimes relevant things soothsayer is also attacking your opponent too so it kind of definitely rewards you for getting in control first because if you're getting control first you can delay your opponent from getting in control sure uh it can certainly compound an advantage you have if i'm able to play my soothsayer a lot and you're not able to control your deck yet uh, yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, so, do you think Prince has a place here? Maybe Princing a port once or twice? or I think it's very possible. So, in in a mirror, it's going to be tough because it's competing kind of with City Quarter. And I say kind of because it's a pretty loose comparison. But I think the fact that um, Rabble is here means that you can't really go for a lower payload deck. You need to build a deck that plays a lot of Rabbles and that can overdraw. Because yeah. once you start to green, those Rabble attacks are going to hurt. Yeah, actually, initially, I, I want to point out that as many games of Dominion as I have played, and it's a lot... Um, 55. I, I'm always surprised when I come across something new that I hadn't seen before. I have never been on the other end of a Rabble Spam deck. It's never happened to me. Uh, but Adam described it, and it sounds pretty horrible, where your opponent just plays a bunch of Rabbles on you, and then you never have an okay hand, because you always have a bunch of Rabbles being played on you every turn. Yeah. That seems pretty miserable. Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not the best thing ever. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, it makes you really consider a deck that you don't build a whole bunch of. If there's a village in Rabble, like, you really have to build a lot more than you normally would. So even with Lighthouse out, I just still don't think you can get the coverage that you need to... Uh, I mean, you probably want Lighthouses because attacks are annoying, but I, I still don't it's think also, you can get the coverage. Yeah, the Lighthouses are also good to have in your deck for City Quarter, right? They're cheap, and they're actions. Sure, I mean, I'm probably buying Lighthouse over Silver all day long yeah. in this game. That's a thing that's going to happen. Sure. I'll get my Silvers from Remake and promptly remake them into Nomad Camps or Ports or whatever. Yeah, I think opening Remake is probably something you do unless you were lucky enough to open Count. I'd probably rather have the Count than the Remake in the opener. Certainly to open with, yeah. It's a much better card. Ah, I think it's really good for the endgame Count, too. Yeah. Having it, just because... The option, if you if you and your opponent do mirror each other and go toe-to-toe -to -toe on provinces, uh, the option to just 
surprise them with by gaining a duchy with the count. It's pretty good. Surprise duchy! Surprise, hashtag surprise duchy. <laughs> hashtag surprise duchy. Yeah. Uh, I had this count the whole time, you just forgot, because I haven't played it in five turns. You're not playing your count in five turns? I'm going to lull my opponent into a false sense of security. <laughs> oh, you're going to make yeah. them forget about it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No. That's solid strats. Yeah, nice. right. Yeah, so uh, I think this board is going to be pretty interesting. Um, I, think, I, I think when you get the city quarter and its function is pretty interesting in this one. So. Yeah. Yeah, interestingly, the the city quarter and when you start buying them is kind of just a metric of how ahead you are. How good your deck is. Right. Because, right? like, you want to start... Getting the goal is to get to the point that city quarter is viable. To get to one of those conditions we talked about, where city quarter is a worthwhile buy, and then once it is, you just skyrocket from there. Yeah, uh, you and can. If your opponent hasn't kept up with you quite a bit, he's in trouble. There are ways to increase your payload here that, uh, like soothsayer gaining golds, that can yeah. reward you for having a card like city quarter in your deck. Uh, I think it's in a lot of cases going to outclass. Uh, other sources of draw, even though they're here. Yeah, I could be wrong. We'll see. I mean, you probably want both, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The deck that the deck that has city quarters probably also has rabbles. Yeah, that's what I meant. That's yeah. not what I said, but that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, let us know what you would do here. Um, what what would you open with? How would you play this out? Uh, wh- who do you think is going to win? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're playing the bot, hopefully you can at least beat the bot. Yeah, that would be pretty rank if you didn't. Uh, yeah, a shout at us on uh, YouTube if that's where you're listening to this podcast. Just leave a comment. Uh, you can uh, check us out on the forums. You can go to adamhorton.com and check out the forums from the blog that's listed there. We have a thread for discussion on this particular episode. Say, so feel free to add either one of us on the Dominion client as well. Uh, my name is Screwyou, S C R E W Y I O U X. You can find me uh, in. The find list and friend me. We can play some games sometime. Yeah, so like, <laughs> there was actually, this is funny. So someone commented, I think it was today, on one of the episodes, and they were like, you need to set up a Patreon account so you can play against people like us. And I'm like, well, I got bad news for you, bro. I am never setting up, up a Patreon <laughs> account for this podcast. Like, that's not the point. But, hey, if you want to play some games, we'll let just, me know. <laughs> yeah, also, we'll just play with you. Like... <laughs> Yeah, like, you don't have to pay me right. to play Dominion with you. I like Dominion. It's fine. You're, mm-hmm. I mean, let's enjoy the time I have without a crying child where I don't have to, like, suddenly get up and leave because my Look, child is crying. I am going to talk. Uh, I'm going to cry as much as I want to. <laughs> so, yeah, let's let's yeah. enjoy that time as much as we can while I can maybe finish a game of Dominion. I can't wait. Yeah. So, uh, as always, definitely make sure you enter the raffle so you get to name the aforementioned child, and we are going to definitely look forward to next episode and next time on Dominion, a making podcast. I'm not kidding, my car. <laughs>